This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A swing and a long drive. Left center field. Way back to the track. To the ball. Grand slam. The Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show is presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Bringing a ground ball off the pitcher's up to the second baseman. Got him. A complete game, 5 nothing shutout for Adam Wainwright. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show. Presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron, Chris Raby, along with Mike Claiborne and St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. And Claibs, it is no longer the Hot Stove League show. Hot Stove is over. It's Countdown to Opening Day. We're getting ready for baseball, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Chris. It's uh, a good time. It's the quiet before the storm where everybody's starting to really get focused. Uh, a lot of players down here already individually working out, so... Uh, it's time. I mean, we're, we're, we're here and uh, everybody's the weather's cooperating. So uh, I'm anxious to see this team for a lot of different reasons. And I think we all kind of felt like last year's spring training was one that was maybe disjointed in some regard. And, and I'm wondering if they're going to be able to glue that thing back together where everybody feels like their mission is on the same page as everyone else. Yeah, I hope so. We've got a big show coming up for you tonight. We're going to visit with Derek Gould. Coming up, we'll hear from Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Carlos Martinez joins us, Rick Ankiel, Rick Horton, and also Cardinals General Manager John Mosellock. And Claves, of course, earlier this week, the news comes down. The Cardinals penalized in the Astros hacking ordeal. They will give up their first two draft picks number 56 and 75, the slot money that goes along with those two picks, and also $2 million. More than anything, we can debate the merits of the penalties and everything else. I think that General Manager John Mozeliak and the rest of the organization just happy to move on from this. I agree with you, Chris. Uh, This thing has gone on longer than most people expected it to, and and I kind of understand why after I read the the unsealed documents over the weekend – but it's something that they can turn the page on, move forward. They've taken steps to secure that this doesn't happen again. And you just have to learn from it and just deal with it and focus on what's important, and that's winning ball games the right way. Well, Carlos Martinez will have a lot to say about the Cardinals winning ball games this year. Claves, you had a chance uh, to spend some time with him in the Dominican Republic last week in his hometown as his Tsunami Waves Foundation handed out baseball equipment to youngsters. You visited where he grew up, got to meet uh, his grandmother who raised him. Uh, what do you see from Carlos this year, maybe as opposed to the last couple of years, as he continues to grow and embrace his role as a role model and a hero to so many, especially in his hometown? And he also does it while he makes steps on the baseball field. You know what, Chris? I think the age of maturity will set in. Uh, And that doesn't mean he's not going to have fun. But I think we've been around Carlos enough to know he takes his job serious with respect to preparation. Uh, And I think that he'll take the next big step of being the, the, the leader or one of the leaders on this staff. I mean, his stuff we've already seen enough of. He's hard to hit. But now it's time to take that next step in being 
one of the guys in the corner of the clubhouse that you can now mentor some of the younger pitchers. Remember, you got some young guys, be it Luke Weaver, or Alex Reyes, uh, some of the other other young guys that are going to be coming up uh, during spring training. So I expect him to be a little bit more on the uh, the leadership maturity side. Guaranteed tickets to opening day and Cubs weekend games in 2017 by registering today for the opening day and premium flex pack. Selected fans will have the chance to purchase tickets to opening day or a Cubs weekend game, plus a minimum of two additional games in the 2017 season. Register now at Cardinals.com. Got a lot to get to, and we're back with Cardinals general manager John Mozalock next to lead things off on Cardinals countdown to opening day on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ammer and Chris Rabbi, Mike Claiborne with you. Cardinals General Manager John Mozalock joins us in just a moment. Final week to book your spring training vacation to Roger Dean Stadium. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. Well, John Mozalock joins us on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ammer as we count down to pitchers and catchers reporting in less than two weeks in Jupiter, Florida. John, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you. You know, uh, I know it's been a crazy week. Obviously, the commissioner's office handing down the penalties and getting some resolution to the situation with the Houston Astros, your first two draft picks and the $2 million fine. Your initial reaction to learning those penalties and moving on from them and then exactly that, moving on from them must be nice at some level to have some resolution. Well, you know, obviously you would like to, to see nothing happen, but we knew that wasn't realistic. And, and so knowing knowing that we were going to be penalized, um, given given what happened, uh, just trying to be realistic about it and, and have to accept it and move on. I do feel like having some closure to this is, is probably the most important part of it. And even though we're disappointed about losing draft picks, we're disappointed about being fined, we, we certainly uh, um, are looking forward to being able to, to point ahead instead of always having to look back and have to defend it. John, for you, um, obviously, anytime you have an investigation, and we've never seen one of this magnitude in, in the Major League Baseball, what did you come away with that you feel like you can apply to, to the future, not just as far as safeguards you want to implement, but just the whole process? Because this is something people don't normally go through. I, I do think that ever since everybody has learned about what has occurred, not only the Cardinals, but the industry and probably other industries have 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 taken a hard look at, at how they think about intellectual property, how they think about uh, um, security, especially cyber security. And, and, you know, from, from my lessons learned, it, it's been a lot because given where we were six, seven years ago to where we are today, a lot has changed. And, and, and so when you think about how we make decisions, why we make decisions and how do we protect that information that allows us to make decisions is, is, you know, made a 180 degree turn. And, and so in the, in the end, we're all better off for it, but it, it was definitely a painful learning exercise. Did you have a, a reaction to the tweet that was sent out from apparently Chris Correa's account saying that the commissioner was, was unresponsive and that he was trying to uh, make efforts to, um, you know, maybe substantiate some of his claims during this process, John, or, or is it just, again, completely move on? Well, a couple of things. One is, a lot of what was written in that letter or tweet um, was was somewhat new information to me in terms of of either I wasn't quite remembering what happened at some, at some period or I just didn't know. 
and then and then more importantly, I think when when you think about what was in that, it, it, the the real response for us is you know I, I think the right answer is, is at this time we just want to move on and 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 be able to to start thinking about tomorrow and not what happened a couple of years ago. John, with you guys having a chance to sign a, a lot more international players, does this help lessen the blow of losing uh, two draft choices and also losing uh, the compensatory pick with regard to signing uh, uh, Dexter Fowler? You know, a lot's been made about that in, in terms of, of, you know, was that our strategy to be aggressive internationally because um, we anticipated this? The, the one thing I think people need to remember is is June 15th is when this this – current July 2nd period closes and for the most part the best talent's been signed and and so for us to try to recruit recoup those those lost drafts I, I think it's going to be difficult but I think from an overarching strategy as we think about this year's draft as we think about next year's international market and as we think about the following draft I think that's where we have to 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 you know roll up our sleeves and try to find ways we can arbitrage these decisions. And, and hopefully we can find a way to, to get some talent back in here. But good news is, is our minor league system is, is strong. Uh, we had a very strong draft last year and internationally we've been very aggressive this past year. Cardinals general manager, John Moselock with us on the Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Ameren. Let me ask you about that draft last year. Um, the penultimate year in which Teams were using picks that they gained from players who rejected qualifying offers from leaving. You guys had a couple of those. You also had a unique situation with a player in Delvin Perez falling to you in the 20s. All the prospect lists are coming out now, John. The rankings are coming out. The industry all very, very high on Delvin now that he's been a part of the organization for about eight months or so. What reports have you gotten from him? What will be the steps for Delvin uh, this spring as he continues to progress and and makes his way towards the one-year mark in the club? Well, like any young player, it's, it's adjusting to professional baseball coming from the amateur world. But I think for him, the, the key is is to continue, continue to work on on just his physical maturity and his his on the field maturity, and and getting to just understand what the day in and day out process of professional baseball is all about. And I think last year was a, a very eye opening experience for him. I think he learned a lot. Um, clearly. Never having a spring training under his belt, you're going to have to make adjustments. I think Gary and, and his staff have done a very good job on, on trying to balance spring training this year. And so you're going to see a, a couple different nuances in the minor league camp where you have an early workout and an afternoon workout and, and allow players to, to get complimentary rest from time to time. But I think in Delvin's case, it's really about just continuing to, to show baseball growth and, and being able to learn the game from a professional side versus the amateur world. Yeah, well, when you make tweaks to potentially big league camp, and, and we've heard that you guys might change the way you do things to some extent, how does that trickle down to the minor leaguers, John? Well, obviously big league camp you know, takes precedent in terms of field usage and, and so forth. But uh, Mike and, and his staff have been you know, obviously very gracious in, in allowing our minor leagues to have the quad especially late in the afternoon because, as, as you, both you guys know, we run that, that prospect camp, um, which referred to a step camp, while major league camp's going on. And, and so that's going on the last couple of weeks of February. And then once all of minor league camp opens, which is usually early part of March, um, space and, and, and you know, especially field use becomes something of, of – uh, 
of a, a, a real desire where we have to balance that out and, and manage it. But Mike is, is usually pretty good about giving him that, that information and, and giving these players that opportunity to get their work in. Final question for me, John, as you uh, mentioned in the press conference the other day with regard to taking steps to ensure you don't have a problem like this again, what, what sort of steps do you take and do you have maybe a cyber sheriff uh, involved or do you have some other step that you're trying to take to prevent uh, the lone wolf from getting out there and obviously putting the organization in harm's way. So, so a couple of things. One is we do have uh, a dual authorization system set up now. So, what that would mean is if you actually took my laptop, or maybe more importantly, you had my username and password to to actually get into the system, you it would you would also need to have access to my phone and my phone password, because what ends up happening is as you go in, it will then send a text to the phone or actually more of a verification to my phone and you have to be on that and to accept so reject or decline and um, that's one big step difference than where we once were and and we also are monitoring and logging in on a much more sophisticated level and then we also did spend a lot of time and energy on educating not just the baseball ops but our entire company on on what hacking and, and cyber protection really means. And, and so I feel like from, you know, a company compliance standpoint, we're, we're caught up to speed and, and hopefully everybody understands the, the importance of it and maybe more importantly, the severity of it. Well, John, we appreciate the time. And I know everyone looking to uh, get down to Florida again, pitchers and catchers reporting in just a couple of weeks. We can't wait to see you in Jupiter. Appreciate you joining us on the Cardinals countdown opening day. All right. Thanks, guys. See you soon. We're back with Cardinals beat writer Derek Gould next on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinal Countdown to Opening Day brought to you by Ameren continues with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Derek Gould has been covering the Cardinals for a number of years. So, Derek, my first question to you is you've covered trades, you've covered firings, you've covered hirings. Now you're covering investigations. We finally got a, a definitive answer to what the punishment would be for the Cardinals. So what are your thoughts about the whole process, including the punishment? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of us fans, media, team included, got an eyeful of the difference between covering a baseball story and covering a federal investigation and sort of the uh, the – announcements or non-announcements or information or non-information that comes from that. Um, you know, Major League Baseball was a part of that, too. I mean, they, they had to wait for sentencing. Um, they willfully waited until sentencing to launch their baseball investigation. Um, but I think this is unlike anything baseball has seen before. Uh, and in the end, I think the big takeaway from this is it's long overdue that baseball catches up with itself. Um, its policies, its employment policies, its employment movement, employee movement from team to team, and all of those rules and bylaws that govern that need to catch up with the data-driven, you know, era that we're in. Um, for uh, for teams, um, especially the more analytical teams who have such valuable algorithms and who feel that they have uh, – crack the code on evaluations and valuations of players. Uh, for those teams, their data is invaluable. And baseball for a long time ran its business like it always has, and that has to change. This shouldn't force baseball into the modern uh, 
you know, hacking and data era. And, and, you know, one of the things about that, this isn't like a, a trade where a guy gets traded to another team and all of a sudden he knows what the signs are, he right. knows the inner workings right. of a ball club. This is a whole lot different uh, because there's a lot more at stake, especially financially for these organizations and the, the time and effort that's put into it. Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it is, you know, they, these teams have invested a lot of money either in the people or the actual hardware tech tech in fanning out um, this, you know, they invest a lot of money in scouts and I talked to Terry Ryan a couple of years ago. Cause it, you'll recall when the news broke of this Cardinals hit the road and played in Minnesota. And I, I talked to Terry Ryan, who was the general manager of the twins at the time. Um, you know, I asked him about that and he said, well, when scouts leave or an assistant general manager, leave, you can't ask them to leave their brain behind what they learned here what they did well here, they're taken to wherever they go next. That's part of why they're hired. Um, intellectual property is different than intellect, and baseball had to recognize how to separate those two. Uh, you know, I think we, we all kind of were, as we were covering this, um, not just the hacking, but also just the, the evolution of these teams and, and the departure of Luno Heck the arrival of Jeff Luno and Sigmadol to the Cardinals. I mean, you've been around as long as I have, and what a big deal that was 13, 14 years ago for them to throw such a commitment behind this and then everything that followed. Let's, let's not ignore how much of Cardinal history has been influenced here recently by the hiring of Jeff Luno from the friction that it eventually created and the firing of Walt Jockety to now the, the seizure of, uh, of draft picks and the $2 million paid to Houston Astro, where, oh, by the way, Jeff Luno is the general manager. I mean, it's a, been a fascinating kind of stretch here. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, this, this is where baseball is right now, and a lot of it has to do with the investment, but also the saving that teams are seeing in their acquisition of players, the better understanding of how to build a team. They're, they're, they're less emotional decisions, more – pragmatic decision this is the hedge funding of baseball and everything that goes into it i don't know about you but when the documents became unsealed i i read them and then i decided i needed to read it again and then i read it a third time and it almost came to the point where i said to myself i can understand why this investigation took so long because there were some things that you would just say to yourself well wait a minute are you sure when a guy goes into somebody's um, security system and, and hacks them 48 times that we know of, you, you have to wonder, you know, is, is he the only one? And was he the only one that, that knew right. about it? And uh, apparently they felt like he was. He was the ultimate lone wolf. That's how he's been portrayed. Uh, your thoughts on, on the delay, Do you did you look at it in the same light where you raised questions of your own? Oh, in the length of it? Uh, I mean, I heard over and over again, Mike, how difficult it was for investigators, whether they were internal investigators, MLB investigators, or federal investigators, that things just became so difficult when it got to the point where the Ethernet cord was plugged into the computer, that everything you could get from interviews, you could get from, you know, some documents, but everything got that much harder when it got to accessing the hard drive, as it rightly probably should have. Um, you know, Major League Baseball got stymied in that way. I don't know what access the private investigator the Cardinals hired 
was offered, but I would imagine it was maybe slightly more um, certainly at the hop than MLB base major league baseball investigators believed that they would get. And still neither of those sides were able to get much from Houston as far as in, in internal for them, other than what the Astros were willing to offer up. I mean, even an attempt, like you said, in those documents to subpoena records that were not provided by the Astros was rejected by the judge. So you get within those documents, you, you spelled it out. Well, you get the intricacy of the investigation because of how many threads they had to pull. Um, I think you'll recall at this time that, you know, they were trying to find the servers that things were being rerouted from because of the masking that Chris Correa did to uh, to hide where he was logging in from. Um, I know that at one point in time, remember, they, they went to Bush Stadium to pull out some computers. They traced one computer back to a townhome in uh, Jupiter and had to then check the records as to who was living there, who was on the lease, who could have possibly been present at that time, and then they had to vet all that. I mean, I think this is a, and this goes back to what I was saying about covering a federal crime and not a baseball story. This was treated as corporate espionage. And so if you erase the baseball aspect from it and sub in big business, you know, pick a big business, sub in any big business X name, and you recognize, well, goodness, they, they wanted to go through every tributary to find out who knew what when, who knew how much when, and who was involved in it, um, and had to get every little single scrap that they could, even if it uh, took weeks, months to do so. We're visiting with Derek Gould. He's been covering the Cardinals for a number of years. Uh, normally it's been stuff on the field. But, Derek, one of the most interesting things about this, and I say this to all young people who aspire to, to someday be in the business of media, uh, whether you're a anymore? baseball Well, you know what? I think they re- would rather just have the job right off the bat, and that way they don't have to worry about, you know, starting off somewhere small or anything. But, but I don't the think our reputation that I will is say, all that good these days, but let's – Let's let's go forward and see if we can inspire some kids in this conversation. We'll try we'll try and get them on the right page. But yeah. for you, in covering this event, and I say this to young people, you may want to cover a pro sports team. You may mm-hmm. want to cover a college team, but there may come a point where you have to use your your reporting skills, and it may not have anything to do with batting averages or earn run averages, right. but the reporting of who, what, when, where, and why. Uh, th- those things don't go away no matter what the sport or no matter what the subject is. No, I mean, I'll try to tell the story quickly, but, you know, when I was at Mizzou, my intent was to go in to cover politics and particularly courts, um, you know, and, and district courts and uh, Supreme Courts and, and things like that. I, I was fascinated by that, always was fascinated by civil liberties, precedences that could be set by courts. And, I recognize, you know, just like everybody, that you got to work your way up. I wasn't going to graduate from Mizzou and go straight to uh, Adam Lichtek's job there covering the uh, – the or Linda Greenhouse's job, I guess it was at the time, covering the Supreme Court for, uh, for the New York Times. I had to work my way up. Um, and I learned there at Mizzou one of the ways that you're going to have to work your way up was doing cops in courts and GA beats. And so I did that there, and I covered a drunk driving death. And it was one of the more difficult stories I've ever covered still to this day. Um, pro, you know, somebody died. And the, the next, you know, they, they talked to the sister of the person who was killed, um, talked to friends of the person who was killed. And I was told, you know, in this, the, this sentence 
hangs with me and still echoes in my ear that they, the family found out that the, the young man had been killed and then received the first RSVP for his wedding that same day. And, the, I mean, that thing stays with you. And I thought, you know, I, I'd like to travel. I, I really enjoy traveling. I want to cover sports. Let me, let me go over to the treehouse. Let me go over to the playpen that is sports. Um, they've, they've offered me a chance there often. Um, yeah, this is the time I need to, I need to commit to this. I want to be a baseball writer. Let's see if that's possible. And, uh, I left, you know, news behind thinking, all right, well, I'm going to cover bright green pastures and athletes running around them and, and dunking contests and trade rumors and all types of stuff. And, um, you know, I am glad that I had that background of covering news, um, because sports is news and, I have had the unfortunate um, responsibility of covering two deaths on the Cardinals beat, um, both, you know, involving um, drunk driving. And I've covered a murder for hire case with the Blues, uh, covered collective bargaining agreements, strikes, all this. I've been forced to, as you know, um, plunge into a medical school library to try to understand what the surgery was that Chris Pronger was having that was unlike anything a hockey player, a hockey player had ever attempted to have before. And, and then here recently trying to understand what Seth Manus has had and, and whether or not that's an advancement for Tommy John. Um, sports has given the oppor- me the opportunity to sit ringside, if you will, for a lot of history, to see amazing things that people will for, never forget. That's Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Derek, as always, we thank you for your time, and we'll see you in Jupiter before you know it. All right, look forward to it, Mike. Thanks. Rick Horton joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back and a chat with Ricky Horton in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Missing baseball season, Cardinals Nation and Ballpark Village is open seven days a week. Stop by for a bite to eat or relive some of the Cardinals' greatest moments by going through the Cardinals Museum. For more information, visit cardinalsnation.com. Along with Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, brought to you by Ameren. And, of course, one of the Cardinal broadcasters you'll hear during the season is our own Ricky Horton, who I just love talking to, whether it's fantasy camp or Cardinal baseball. He's always got something positive to say. Ricky, I hope your day is going well, sir. My day is going well, Claves. Always good to visit with you. And I, I thought for a minute I was the only one counting down to spring training. Evidently other people are as well. Oh, no, there are plenty of people. Yours truly decided to come early to make sure the grass was green, so I can report on that, and uh, all is good in Jupiter, Florida. But there, there's so many things going on. We finally have the uh, the MLB punishment behind us now, and everybody yeah. can kind of look forward to the upcoming season. And I, I thought it was important to get this out of the way well before spring training started. Uh, so I don't think it'll be a distraction. I think the Cardinals have been out in front on this and being able to address it with whoever wanted to inquire about it. And I think it's going to be a non-story by the time we get to Jupiter. Well, I think and certainly it's an important thing that you got to deal with it. You can't just let it go. You can't just sweep it away. But, you know, timing does matter. And, you know, I thought that there was going to be some results on that even as, as early as uh, just after the World Series. But, you know, it, it happened when it happened. And, uh, you know, people have said their piece, and, and, and I think, you know, that 
the, the franchise is strong enough to, to overcome, you know, th- th- this uh, pretty big bump in the road. And, and you know, baseball's like that, Claves. You think about the things that baseball's been through collectively, not just as teams, but, you know, the scandals and the, and the Black Sox, of course, one of the, the, the major ones, but the steroid era. You know, there's, yes, there's bumps in the road and, you know, we're people, and and, and not not everything's perfect in in our in our game or in our city, and you just have to move on from it. I think more importantly, it's kind of a wake up call um, that baseball's got to get in line with making sure they protect their property internally. As I was saying to Derek Gould, this isn't about a guy getting traded, and then all of a sudden he knows what the other team's signs are or the mannerisms and what they like to do in certain situations. This is a little bit more complex than that, and he called a corporate espionage, and I think that's a good way to look at it. And it's something we as baseball fans never really put into the equation of when we go to the ballpark, how things happen along that line. Well, you know, if you're if you're building defense systems at at a, at a major uh, engineering corporation, of course, we all would expect there to be those kind of rules and laws. But baseball is it's evolved to being such a big business, number one, but also so technological, number two, that you you end up dealing with intellectual property conversations. I mean, can you imagine telling somebody, telling Frankie Frisch or or Ty Cobb that we're going to have intellectual property conversations about the game of baseball? I mean, that would be absurd. It's like, well, hey, we just we talk baseball, we move on. What's the big deal? But technology and the money in the game have, have really, uh, you know, made it a different a different deal right now. And and I think MLB is trying to be out in front of all that. And you know, as with any business now, technology gets so crazy, you've got to find ways to control it and and manage it well. Well, you know, we, we've come a, f- a long way from the time where the front office consisted of former uh, former players who were scouts and making sure you have a, the, the season set up right for spring training. Now it's filled with analysts with laptops and security experts because that's where we're headed. Yeah, you, you know, the game's interesting, too. And, and there's a lot that we've learned from, from the whole sabermetric community and the analysts and the guys that uh, – got their 4.0s from Harvard and Yale. I mean, we've learned a lot, I think, about you know, how to take the statistics and, and, and scout with them and how to, how to use the data to, to defend with them. And, and I think all, there's some good things in that. But, you know, it, it still has to be in the hand of the, of the professional, the surgeon, the person that knows the game better. And, uh, you know, I, I like the blendedness of the way the Cardinals approach it. I think you've got people who uh, are just tried and true baseball people, and that's what they know, and they – they can feel when something's right, not right on the field. They can look at a defense. They can look at a pitcher's eye. They can look at the way a guy's approaching an at-bat and, and see something that other people can't see. And you need baseball people around, but you also need somebody that, you know, has that, has that algorithm and that Excel spreadsheet and, and, and tells you what to do with some of, the, some of those insights that you have. As Mike Shannon would say, algorithm. Now, there's a word you don't hear in the dugout very yeah, often. He, yeah, he used to play for the Pirates. <laughs> he played parts of three seasons with them. Yeah. So, Ricky, let me ask you this question. We're, we're a couple of weeks away from spring training. So, first question, how did you prepare as you got closer to spring training? And I know the workout programs are different and things of that nature. But for this year, considering how I think most will admit that last spring training was a little disjointed, what are you going to look for when you first get here? Well, I'm, I'm going to look for guys, uh, you know, connecting with, with a purpose. I think that's what you always look for in spring training. If you look for guys that are 
you know, coming together in some way. And yeah, of course you look for helpingness. That's always a factor. And, and so, you know, you can't ever be sure clays and it, it is something we just take for granted that you show up in spring training and your arm feels the way it did the year before. It just doesn't happen. I mean, sometimes you get stiffer, you just get older and, you know, we all know that you get older, but in baseball, you get old fast. So you look just for people to be healthy and, 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 you know, bounce back, ready to go. And you, you also look for guys that are, you know, just seem to have that mental edge. So I always look for that. I saw Colton Long down in Florida and that man is possessed already. And it's, you know, I saw him in January down in, uh, in Jupiter and he's working out like crazy. And that, I like to see that. And yes, you can overwork, but, but when a guy's on a mission, uh, typically that ends up in good, with good results. We're visiting with Ricky Horton. You hear him on the Cardinals radio network. Uh, Ricky, for you, as you look at this ball club, uh, a lot of things have to have to come together, I think, and, and I think we're anxious to see how spring training unfolds. Uh, you remember how you were in spring training when things first got started? Were you anxious, or did you feel like it was a, a different day for you? Well, you know, when I used to go to – when my time in spring training, you, we all remember Albert going to spring training every year and saying, I'm working to make the team, and we would all laugh and say, okay, well – that, that's not going to – you don't have to worry, Albert. You hit, you know, 30 home runs last year and drove in 100 for the fifth year in a row. But I, but I think Albert meant that, and that's how he prepared. Now, I meant it too, but it was true. I mean, I had to be ready. I had to make the team every year. I never was the guy that you just thought, well, you're going to be here. You, I had work to do. And so my approach to spring training was to be competing from day one in everything I did. I wanted to be, I wanted to be ahead of people. You know, there was a time, Klebs, where you remember that pitchers weren't even throwing breaking balls early in spring training. They just wanted to just go out and get loose and throw fastballs and change-ups. Well, I was, I was trying to work on midseason form right away because I didn't want to have a bad number anywhere. I wanted people to see the best of me as quickly as possible to maybe stick in their head. So when it came down to cutting people, they thought twice about me. So in essence, you wanted to be in midseason form in the early part of the season to make sure you were around for the midseason. Yeah, otherwise the midseason would be – I'd be in, in AAA somewhere. You know, the other thing I always thought of, Claves, was I, I read the book Ball Four um, many times in college, and the, the, the Jim Bouton book, and one of the things that was in that book that Jim Bouton talked about, Whitey Ford always felt like you have to come to spring training with a tan because you look thinner and you look more in shape and you look healthier. So I actually literally remembered that. So I'd try to get to Florida about two weeks before everybody else, uh, do a little running outside, get the tan going so people would say, huh, boy, you look healthy. <laughs> so, hey, I, you, you do anything you can to get it in. <laughs> hey, before we get out of here, I'd be remiss not to compliment you and Joe, and Joe Pfeiffer and, and Scott Terry and all the people within the Cardinal organization who put on what I think is one of the great events the Cardinals offer to their fans, and that's the fantasy camp. Uh, mm. I know there are a lot of guys, and we've had a, a, a few women who have been part of it. Uh, it. It's one of the great experiences, and and you're one of the smartest guys because you don't throw all day like Scott Terry. <laughs> you don't want to play in the field. You just commission, and, right. and you've done such a good job at it. But but with Joe and his staff, and you and and Scott Terry, I always tell people this is one of the true bucket list ventures people should try. It's a phenomenal experience, and I say every year I go, uh, Claves, that it's uh, good for my soul because I laugh and I and I experience baseball in a way that is deep and 
you know, profound to me. It kind of connects me. You get the uniform back on. You're with your guys. And, and you, get, you get to be with 20 former players and Hall of Famers. And, you know, Suter was there. And, I mean, I can go say the names for forever in terms of the, the, the great names, Ozzy and uh, Whitey Herzog and, and, and Steve Carlton, Tim McCarver, all those guys down there for this camp. It's just a phenomenal experience. And I, I don't think – I don't in, in 17 years that we've been doing this camp, I don't know if one person that left there and said they didn't have a great time. Uh, so, I mean, it really is fun not just for the campers, but for the former players. And uh, it's a highlight of my, my year, and just I look forward to it every, uh, every spring. Ricky Horton, always good to visit with you, sir. Can't wait for you to get down here to work on your tan because you just never know. You just, I'll be ready, Clay. Let's take a break, come back, and wrap up hour number one of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Guaranteed tickets to opening day and Cubs weekend games in 2017 by registering today for the opening day and premium flex pack. Selected fans will have the chance to purchase tickets to opening day or a Cubs weekend game, plus a minimum of two additional games in the 2017 season. Register now at cardinals.com. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne are back with you as we wrap up our number one of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Thank you to John Mosellock, Derek Gould, and Rick Horton for joining us in the first hour of the program. We'll kick things off in hour number two with Bob Nightingale of USA Today getting a national perspective on hacking, and then we'll hear from Carlos Martinez and Rick Ankiel. All that coming up in the second hour of the show. Alex Ferrario, our executive producer this week, as we get closer and closer to baseball with Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. One hour in the books, hour number two next. Coming up after this, don't go anywhere. We'll be back on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. A swing and a long drive. Left center field. Way back to the track, to the ball. Grand slam. The Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show is presented by Ameren on the Cardinals Radio Network. Bringing a ground ball the pitchers up to the second baseman. Got him! A complete game, 5 nothing shutout for Adam Wainwright. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Ravey with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the Cardinals Radio Network. We'll get a national perspective to kick off our number two from Bob Nightingale here in just a moment. The Cardinals Kids Club is the exclusive fan club for Cardinals fans age 13 and under. Tremendous membership benefits include two tickets to a 2017 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only autograph party at Bush Stadium, and much more. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub. Bob Nightingale of USA Today joins us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Bob, how are you? Doing great. How are you right? We're doing very well. Looking forward to uh, spring training in a couple of weeks. But before we get to some baseball, obviously the penalties being handed down from the commissioner's office to the Cardinals earlier this week. Two million bucks, a couple of draft picks. And you write that uh, you think the stain to the Cardinals image worse than the penalties. Tell us a little bit about your thought process and your reaction to what came down. Yeah, I mean, obviously $2 million doesn't mean much to anybody in baseball. Uh, you know, the clubs are making so much money these days. And, yeah, they lost two draft picks, uh, their, their first two. Uh, but, you know, not the big one because that was forfeit already. And they signed Dexter Fowler. But I just think the uh, the stain of the organization, and the Cardinals are the model organization uh, of all baseball. And even the Cubs will tell you that. And I uh, just have such a pristine image. And it's just kind of a, that taints that. You know, it'll go away. People will forget about it, but it'll be there for a while. And that probably stings more than anything else. 
Bob, in your opinion, uh, why do you think it took so long for uh, Major League Baseball to hand down a decision on the Cardinal punishment? I think it's waiting wait for the Fed to do all the dirty work, even after sentencing. Uh, waited to see, uh, you know, when, what more information they could gather. And they went through everything. So then the MLB stepped in. But those, you know, those records uh, weren't unsealed until late last week. So I, I think, you know, they, they could have done it six months ago. But what difference does it make? You know, the draft was already over and everything else. So, so no big deal. I just think they wanted to wait as long as possible. The last thing they wanted to do was uh, make, a, make a judgment, uh, render a decision, and find out, hey, uh, a few people knew about this besides Korea. And they couldn't find a, a soul. And neither could, uh, neither could the federal government. Bob, what kind of precedent does it set for Major League Baseball that the Astros are the beneficiaries of what the Cardinals are having to give up? And, and how do you think some rival clubs and rival executives, especially maybe in the AL West and in the American League, feel about that? Well, the AL West people can't be happy, can't be happy at all. I mean, the Astros are already going to be a, a, a bear this season. And, uh, you know, one of the preseason you know, contenders, at least, to uh, be in the World Series. And now this you know, just helps them more. By, by uh, especially with with the draft picks. Now I think they have like five of the top picks, five of the top ninety four picks uh, in next year's draft, plus a couple you know a couple million bucks doesn't hurt either. So uh, you know, as a precedent, it's like okay, you know, we're going to make it tough. We'll probably be a lot tougher the next time. But I really don't believe. I may be naive. But I really don't believe it'll be the next time. Not so much the punishment that Major League Baseball gave out, but just the punishment that the Fed gave out against Chris Correa. I mean, he wants to spend 46 months in federal prison. You know, you know life in baseball is over. And let's face it, I mean, who's going to hire him uh, with his uh, background now? So he may be close to being unemployable. Well, maybe he can work for the government and trying to catch people like himself. But the other issue here is, Bob, uh, with the fine and suspensions and everything else is taking place, do you think if somebody else crosses a line, be at the front office, that the punishment will be more severe? Because I think this was kind of the, 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 the foundation, the baseline on where we can work from. And everybody knows this is pretty serious stuff. So does Major League Baseball now have a chance to really take the gloves off and slap somebody around should they try something of this nature again? Yeah, I mean, and the federal government made it pretty clear, hey, we're not tolerating this. We don't care if it's a prank or we're looking something up just for fun. Uh, this is serious business, and you're going to go to prison for a long time. So I can't think that anybody would be stupid enough, even if you knew somebody's password, to dare try this. You know, let's be honest, too. All the clubs are smarter now. You know, they're changing passwords a lot more. Uh, you can figure out who gets new accounts. So uh, I'm really surprised this kind of stuff hasn't happened before. How about the uh, statement, Bob, from Chris Correa? And and he has said and, and said in a tweet that was, I guess, sent from his family yesterday that uh, Major League Baseball was not committed to fair and just sanctions, saying that the Astros benefited from unauthorized access to Cardinals databases from 2012 to 2014. Is this just maybe side talk out of uh, a guy who has proven to be a criminal? Is there any substantiation you think that could be found to these? And are you maybe surprised that there hasn't been more traction to this stuff? It's just maybe a tweet from prison. What are your thoughts on what Correa said? Yeah, I don't think that people can uh, believe him. I mean, he, that's what he said from the outset when he got arrested and everything else. But, uh, you know, hey, the feds do a good job, you know, a lot better job than Major League Baseball in his investigations. 
And I'm sure they're tracking everybody. So, okay, let's see if there's some uh, proof to this. Let's see if it was the espionage going back and forth. You know, it's on no other wrong doing. And, uh, you know, they, they have some uh, FBI and everybody else involved. So if, if they couldn't find anything else, it's a little tough to substantiate Korea's claims. Bob, a final question for you. Uh, we've heard about the safeguards that the Cardinals are implementing. What is Major League Baseball going to try and do? Because between this situation and we saw the doctoring of the medical documents with regard to San Diego, uh, is Major League Baseball going to keep a closer eye on these things? Because while it may be one, it may be two, we don't want this to be something that everyone feels like they can take advantage of because there's no security in place. Yeah, I just think the security can get more and more. I mean, with the uh, the waiver wire, and those names get all leaked out now. Too many people have access to that kind of stuff, and I think they'll really start cracking down. You know, I, I'm I'm surprised that there hasn't been widespread, uh, you know, widespread espionage going on as, as far as that sort of thing. So I think now it's going to be a, a lot tougher for uh, people to do that, and a lot more stupid for people that will actually leak out that information and talk about it. Just because they're they're afraid their baseball career could be over. Bob Nightingale from USA Today joining us on the Cardinals countdown to opening day. Again, read him uh, in the USA Today and online. Find him on Twitter at B Nightingale. Bob, we appreciate it, man. We'll see you soon. Sounds great. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Carlos Martinez visits with Mike Claiborne when we come back on Cardinals countdown to opening day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby alongside Mike Claiborne this week on the program. Claves is going to visit with Carlos Martinez here in just a moment. Guaranteed tickets to Opening Day and Cubs weekend games in 2017 by registering today for the Opening Day and Premium Flex Pack. Selected fans will have the chance to purchase tickets to Opening Day or a Cubs weekend game, plus a minimum of two additional games in the 2017 season. Register now at Cardinals.com. Let's hand it over to Mike Claiborne. Well, we've got a chance to visit with Carlos Martinez of the St. Louis Cardinals. And, Carlos, uh, first of all, you had a chance to be part of the Cardinal Cruise for the first time. So how did things go for you? I think it was uh, so fun because uh, I'm feeling with my, with my wife, I'm feeling like uh, my second family. So thank you for the Cardinal fans. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you for, for coming and. I was so fun, uh, and uh, God bless everyone. We had a chance to go to your hometown. We saw where you grew up. We saw where you live now, and we had a chance to see you give something back to a lot of kids who looked like you 10 years ago. How important was that for you? Yeah, it's very important because uh, uh, the fans don't know how much they help a lot, a lot of kids and a lot of family too, and uh, because uh, uh, it's, uh, they look, they look like like me when uh, ten years ago, when uh, I was poor, and and I wanna help a lot of a lot of family in my country and uh, and in San Louis too. But uh, this cruise was very important for me. And I want to see next year more more people, more fa- more more fans, who's uh, come to help me a lot. You had a really good year on the mound. You were honored at the baseball writers' dinner. Have you started to think about this upcoming season? Because as you grow, the team goes. I think we have a, a beautiful team this year because you know. Um, 
we got new guys, we got uh, new experience, uh, and we got a new mentality. So we got a lot of experience, you know, So from last year. So last year was uh, like a very important year. One of the things I know you take a lot of pride in is your offense. And it's like when you're in the lineup, there's nine good hitters in the lineup when you when you pitch that particular night. So it's very important for me because uh, I I want I want to help me and want to help the team. So when I go to to the to the play to hit it, so I think I want I want to help the team because uh, I want to win, you know, and uh, and that's very important for me. Spring training will be here before you know it. Gracias, senor, and have a great season. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Mike Claiborne, that's Carlos Martinez, who you had the chance to obviously spend some time with last week. We talked at the top of the show a little bit about his maturity and, again, embracing not just his role as perhaps the ace of this team, but also as a leader in the clubhouse. How have you seen that transpire? Well, you know what? I think it's just his approach. Uh, He learned a lot last year. You know, that was a team that with all the adversity – Uh, And then finishing out of the playoffs was something new for him. And I think when you have a situation like what Carlos went through, while he may have pitched well, I'm sure he looks back and says, you know, if I'd have been better on one particular night, we would be in postseason play. That's how he kind of thinks. And I think he's a guy that is a long-term investment for the Cardinals with respect to that, that I feel that there's a trust there now where at one point, and if you go back two years ago, Chris, you know, they thought he should have been the guy traded instead of Shelby Miller. At least some people did. I think we've learned that that turned out probably not only in Carlos's favor, but certainly the Cardinals. So with that said, you've got some young guys on the staff that he's going to have to work with. Uh, I think it's going to be as deep of a pitching staff as we've seen going into spring training in a long, long time when you look at the guys who have big league innings under their belt. Don't you love the personality, too? Like, I know everyone talks about the Cubs as this crazy, fun-loving team, but the Cardinals have some of that, too, which I think is a very, very good thing. And for the most part, it it almost starts with Carlos Martinez. Oh, I agree with you. I I think he's one of those likable guys in all corners of the clubhouse. And in this game, while it's hard to play, let's make no mistake, this is a very difficult game to play at this level. You still have to try and find a way to have fun and have a good time. Some teams display it a little differently than others, but I think you've got to have people who keep it loose. Uh, I was talking to Carlos about his offense and, and the fact that when he's in the lineup, they got nine good hitters. And, you know, he on the cruise kept reminding Mike Matheny that he used to play shortstop. So if you need him, he, he he's available. So uh, a guy who's fun-loving, but a guy who takes his job serious when he steps across that white line, and that's what you want. You know, I will say, though, after watching the display last year, I'm not sure they'll call on him as a pinch runner anymore this season. No, that's not going to – you listen, that's a good point you make. Uh, he may have to take some extra time in spring training on base running drills, and I'm not sure if that's going to be enough time. We're only here for five or six weeks, but you're, you're right. Uh, you don't want to see him get killed on the base pass, but uh, – Something that, again, he was able to walk away from uh, feeling, you know, he was it was funny, but he knows that, you know, it's something he wants to be better at. And, that, and that's something that I appreciate with him with regard to his effort. All right. From one great athlete to another, Rick Ankeel joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby, along with Mike Claiborne. And we're back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
Back on the Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. Rick Ankiel joins us on the program. Rick, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing very, very well. We know you guys have been down in Jupiter for another fantasy camp in the books. What was it like? Do you have a good time? And did you come out victorious? How'd the team do? <laughs> I didn't win any, but I came out victorious with laughter. It's nonstop comedy. It's pretty funny. Rick Ankiel with us. Rick, when you get all those guys back together and, and when you get some guys down there, whether it's returners or first-timers, what are some of the reactions like? And what's it like for you as a former player to not just be able to put on the uniform again but be around former Cardinals and, and be around maybe some of the campers, both uh, first-timers and veterans? Oh, it's awesome. You get everybody you get everybody together. And first of all, I mean, everybody puts on the uniform, and, and that's just a special bonding in itself. Um, and then you just, you know, I, I think one of the things, too, is everybody gets out there and you still think you're young and still think you got it. I mean, that's former legends and the people coming down to play. And, and uh, you know, you're not as young as you think you are anymore. But it, it's so much fun. It, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Rick, as you look around Major League Baseball right now, is this um, as talented a crop of young guys as, as you can remember that, that have come in around the league and, and have not just played at a really, really high level, but have taken over as kind of faces of the game and faces of, of Major League Baseball. How would you kind of evaluate and rate the young talent right now around the league? You know, yeah, absolutely. I think social media is a big part in that. I think baseball's done a really good job of really going out and trying to sell the individual player because I think that's what people relate to. And, I, you know, even across all, the, all sports, I mean, I think we're faster, stronger um, than we've ever been in, in all sports that there are. But, yeah, it's exciting to watch. I mean, you, you look at all these young guys pitching. Everybody's throwing 100. It seems like every bullpen out there has three guys that can hit triple digits, which is crazy when you think about it. Um, and then you've got these guys in the box that are turning it around like, you know, it's not even a thing to them. So, yeah, it's definitely exciting for me. You know, everybody else I talk to, um, all the former players that I, you know, that I spend time with, um, we all feel the same way. I mean, it's just it's a fun time to watch right now. What's changed as, as far as pitchers and the velocity? The Cardinals last year um, had a knack for seventh, eighth, ninth inning. There are numbers across baseball compared to other teams in all offensive categories we're at the top of the heap and a lot of times like you said you're facing two three guys maybe throwing triple digits or throwing high 90s from both sides of the rubber how has that changed why do you think that's changed and what goes into a team that's able to maybe handle that you know it's just i think just training you know we've science has gotten smarter and really been you know been able to figure out um you know what makes guys be able to do that and i think you know now Nowadays, when you look at sports, especially baseball, where, where a long time ago I think people would show up to spring training to get in shape, and now it's a year-round thing. I mean, if you're not training year-round, you're behind the eight ball. Um, yeah, you know, I don't. These guys, these guys coming in and having to hit those guys. Good luck. Um, doesn't seem like it's an easy task when I look at it, but, um, you know, certainly some of the guys have made it look easier than it is, that's for sure. Rick has a book coming out, The Phenomenon, Pressure, the Yips, and the Pitch that Changed My Life, out in April, Rick, and Tim Brown of Yahoo. Rick, what was the process like writing the book, and, and what's it been like since it's been finished? It's been good. The whole process, um, you know, it was long. It took over three years, um, but it, it's neat to go back and, and just kind of see who you were, you know, a long time ago versus who you thought you were and kind of get different people's accounts on on those parts of your life here going forward, it's kind of be the, you know, it'll be the time for media and, and trying to get spark interest for the book. And, um, 
you know, it's exciting. I mean, there was a lot of interest. Obviously, everybody who came down for Cardinal Camp um, were big supporters. And, and uh, you know, it was nice to, to see everybody behind it and excited to read it. And, you know, I think it's going to be fun. Rick, this, this is a book I've been waiting for ever since the day you set foot on the field because it's the most dynamic story we may have seen in sports, not just baseball. And I'm glad you're writing the book. But take us back to that day. You're drafted in 97, and two years later you're making a big league start. Uh, a whirlwind time for you. But when did you think things started to come unloose for you, whereas you had to basically get out of line and start your career over again? Uh, I would say um, 2001, you know, when I came into spring – um, you know, obviously I started with the, the gifts and whatnot in the end of 2000 there, but coming into 2001, um, you know, it, it, it was just such a grind, you know, every day you wake up and you keep telling yourself, this is going to be the day that, you know, that I become me again and that I figure it out. And, and, um, there's just so many ups and downs, you know, I, I think really in that spring training, I mean, obviously I talk about in the book a little bit, um, you know, you just start to, it just starts to seem like, when is it, when is it going to happen? You know, when, when am I going to figure this out? And, and nobody can give you an answer. Um, and it's, a, it's just such a tough thing to go through. Rick Ankeel with us. Again, the book is The Phenomenon. You can uh, pre-order on Amazon out April 18th, 2017. Rick, Rick, what, what did you learn, not just about yourself, but what did you learn that you're able now to pass on to younger guys in maybe the off-the-field aspects, the mental aspects of the game and in your role and, and the role that you've had over the last years with the Washington Nationals, the mental side of things? Uh, I, I just, you know, pay attention. You know, pay attention to what you're doing. When you're out there playing catch, don't go through the motions. Have an idea of what you're trying to do. When you're playing catch with somebody, um, you know, try to hit him in the shoulder, hit him in the hat, pick something on him. Pick a spot when you're out there, work on it. You know, you can only throw so many times. Don't leave it to just when you're throwing bullpens. Obviously, I'm just talking about the pitchers here, but don't leave it to when you're just throwing bullpens. When you're out there, just I mean, you can have fun, but have fun and be serious about it. Understand what you're doing. You know, you, you, you talk about having fun. At, at one point, the game wasn't fun for you. But what made you say, you know what, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do it on my terms. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to make it all the way back to the big leagues. What lit your fire? You know, after going through the control problems for the five years there from 2000 to 05, you know, I came back and pitched out of the bullpen in 04. Um, 05, what it took for me to get it right, to throw strikes for me, was all-day mental exercises, all-day mental training. Um, it just never felt like I could be myself. I wasn't joking around with guys. I wasn't my normal happy-go-lucky self, and I just couldn't be because I was constantly focusing on how to get myself right for the game. Um, you know, when you stop and I try to reflect and then look for at that time and you try to reflect and look forward and say, well, you know, what is this going to be like moving forward over the next five, ten years, whatever it's going to be, um, I just got to the point where I understood, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to be the life. You know, this isn't a life. This isn't the life I want. Um, I need to make a change. And, and once that happened and the outfield thing came about, I just felt like this giant weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, and then the challenge of, you know, you know, everybody – no, it seemed like nobody in the world was giving me a shot to make it back as an outfielder. And I, I think, you know, part of that fueled me too, you know, just the part, okay, this is fun again. I don't have to do mental training all day and worry about if I'm going to be able to throw a strike today. It was more about, all right, I'm going to go out there and now i got to try to hit up the guys that I was just – you know, friends with and on their side. Um, then all that just became it just became fun. It became a challenge, and then off I went. 
How long does it take, Rick, to embrace some of those struggles? And maybe it's still a process, but but even as an outfielder and and after your playing career is over, to go back and say, all right, these are issues and and obstacles that I dealt with, but they've helped make me who I am, and and I have some wisdom uh, that I can pass along to people. You know, I think after I went through the the pitching stuff, uh, you know, what I I realized, you know, even when I switched over to be a hitter, I'm like, nothing is ever going to be as hard as that. You know, to me, anyway, um, that was just such a mental... You know, it felt like a mental prison. It just felt like you could never get out of it. Um, so, so with the outfield stuff, we talk about the outfield struggles and, and um, you know, all that stuff. To me, I was like, okay, well, this is easy. This is easy compared to that. And moving forward for the rest of my life, I don't. I, I feel like I've been tested, right? So I don't feel like there's anything that I can walk up against that I don't feel like I can handle. So for that, when I look back, that I'm, I'm thankful for it because. Um, like you said, it, it makes you who you are. But I, I understand that you know I. I, you know, I stood against what most people wouldn't dare to stand against. So, um, you know, I put that in my hat and, and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Rick Ankeel is our guest. And, Rick, for you, uh, you're, you're not a quitter. You're a battler. You're a guy that doesn't take no for an answer. So when you decided to sit down and write this book, what's the one thing you learned about yourself and all the experiences both on and off the field that you found to be even more important as you started to write the book? Hmm. You know, it, it, it's interesting. When we, when, we, when we started to write the book and I went back and relived the pitching, it really felt like another life. It was strange. It, it was almost like it was a different life, that, I, and I wasn't even – it didn't even feel like me. It, 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 it's, I, it's probably strange to hear, but in, um, in looking at it, I felt like, you know, for me, the biggest thing, you know, once I went through those pitching struggles, I stopped looking backwards. Um, and I don't, and I, even to this day, that's kind of how I operate. I don't look backwards. I always look forward. Like, what's next? What can I do next? What can I be next? What, you know, how can I better myself? I, I feel like a lot of times when we get, you know, as people, we get caught up looking back and say, oh, I should have, I could have, I would have. Well, so what? You know, the water's under the bridge. So for me, there's no, there's no point in going back and second guessing. Like, I know. At the time, I took the information that I had and made the best decision I could, and now I just keep going forward. So I feel like the biggest thing, even after reading the book, it's just a reminder of of don't get caught in that, oh, I could have done this or I should have done that 10 years ago or whatever it was because it's all about what what you're going to do today, what you're going to do tomorrow. It's all about the future for me. Rick, you wrote the book with Tim Brown from Yahoo, a national baseball writer. He wrote uh, Jim Abbott's book with him as well. What was the process like to uh, come about uh, working with Tim? And, again, for a book that's as personal as this one and you're telling all your experiences, what was it like to work with Tim? Tim, Tim is awesome. Um, you know, in the interviewing process, when you're interviewing writers, the biggest thing for me was trying to find somebody that I can trust. Um, especially, like you said, when you're talking about the the personal stuff and the baseball stuff, all of it. But uh, being able to trust him and then finding that, you know, where we, we, we vibe together and we do well. And I've said this before, I just think he did a phenomenal job of when you when you sit down and talk about somebody's life and their, and their history and the memories they have and all the stories, and then you say, okay, which ones are we going to put in and which ones are we going to leave out and how do we make this, you know, flow together and tell the story. I just think that he did a great job with that and then the other thing I think that he did a phenomenal job with is really just giving the reader um, the insight and the way he writes it of you being able to feel um, what I was going through at the time. 
Final question for Rick Ankiel. Folks, this is a must-read book for everybody out there. You don't even have to be a baseball fan to, to be able to appreciate what Rick Ankiel has gone through. We, we've heard about some of the dark sides. There's some things in the book. Give me one of your best moments where you truly were, were blessed to be in the game because of the people that you were around, the people that made you laugh, one of the happy times in your life. I mean, I'll give you two, but the second one was a little bit sweeter. Obviously, just as a as a any any kid growing up, and your dream is to be a baseball player, and the first time you make it to the big leagues is you know just that aha moment. But the second time I made it as an outfielder, and when I hit that home run, um, it, it just felt like you know not only for me, but just everybody that had helped me and supported me and and had been there for me, etc. When I hit that home run, it was almost like I hit it for everybody, you know, not just for me. And, and it really felt that way, and the support I felt from from everybody, the fans, my teammates, my friends, my family. Um, just one of those amazing moments that I will never, ever forget. Rick and Keel, again, the book, which is out in April. It is The Phenomenon, Pressure, the Yips, and the Pitch that Changed My Life. Again, available at Amazon and uh, everywhere, but Amazon right now for pre-order. Rick and Keel and Tim Brown. Uh, Rick, always great to see you around Jupiter and at the Fantasy Camp. Thanks for joining us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, and we'll talk again with you soon. All right, thank you, guys. See you soon. Visit the official online shop of the Cardinals at cardinals.com slash shop for the largest selection of authentic caps, T-shirts, jerseys, hoodies, collectibles, and more. Get your gear straight from the source, cardinals.com slash shop. Back with more after this on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. And Joe Strom joins us now on the program to talk Flex Packs. Joe, a big announcement today with regard to tickets because the Flex Packs are in play. So why don't you give our listeners a little bit of an idea of how they can be part of the opening day festivities? Well, the most common question is how can I get tickets for the um, highest demand game of the year, and that, of course, is opening day, which is always special here in St. Louis. And this year, with us opening up with the Chicago Cubs on a Sunday night, April 2nd, it's even in higher demand. And so what we try to do is come up with a system where it can be equal and fair to everyone on the opportunity to purchase tickets for opening day. And so what we have done is you can now go to cardinals.com, and register to win the opportunity to purchase tickets for opening day along with two other games throughout the season. So I would recommend people going now to cardinals.com. You'll have one week to register, and then we'll have a lottery, and at that point the winners will have an opportunity to purchase tickets along with two other games for, for opening day. Joe, it's it's really a, a great move on the part of the, of the Cardinals to to give fans that opportunity because, as you mentioned, the opening day ticket's always a tough one, but it's a, it's much more available to Cardinal fans now than what it used to be, and you also get some extra games involved, and, and some pretty good games have been on that schedule in the past. Yeah, it's uh, we're really trying to make it as fair as possible. And if you think about the old days where the only way you could purchase tickets was to come down to the stadium and purchase tickets or you had to mail in your order, now people can purchase online. And what this does is it allows people throughout all of Cardinal Nation to have uh, – 
equal opportunity to purchase those tickets for opening day. And, and so that's how we came up with this registration system and the lottery system. And we've done this for a couple of years, and I think it's the fair way to do it. And at the end of the day, uh, it allows people to have equal opportunity to purchase tickets for the highest demand game of the year. And you don't have to be a season ticket holder to be part of this. Um, and, and I think it also probably lends credence to people maybe getting involved with purchasing more games during the course of the year once they see how this works. Uh, those partial season ticket plans, Joe, have certainly turned out to be a godsend for a lot of fans who can't afford to get to all of them or don't have the time. But you guys have made it very flexible for them to be able to get out and see more Cardinal baseball at a fair price. You're exactly right. The reality is is very few people can attend all 81 games throughout the year. Everyone has many things on their schedule. So we do have a number of uh, partial season ticket plans, and also we have a number of smaller packs, 10-game pack. And, and that's the thing. If you want to guarantee yourself the opportunity to be at Bush Stadium on opening day, you don't have to go through this registration. You can go right now to cardinals.com and purchase a 10-game pack that would include opening day, nine other games throughout the year, many weekends involved in that pack, and you're guaranteed that you will have tickets to the home opener. So you don't necessarily have to wait and hope that you're the winner of the lottery. You can go ahead and purchase tickets uh, at this point and uh, just go to cardinals.com and do that now. How are you pacing with respect to last season as far as advanced purchases? I know that's always been a real strong point for the Cardinals in the past. Has that changed at all? You know, it's been a, a very, very strong um, off season uh, to, to date. Uh, season ticket renewals have come in very, very strong. We'll be in the mid-90s on season ticket renewals this year. Uh, I think fans are looking forward to this upcoming season. And uh, even the individual tickets, which would be the all-inclusive tickets that are on sale, have sold very, very well uh, to this point. Uh, again, we talk about opening day and purchasing uh, uh, tickets, but if you want to go ahead and purchase an individual ticket for any game right now, including the Cub dates, you can go to Cardinals.com and purchase your all-inclusive ticket at, at this time. Joe Strone is with us, and Joe, one of the things that I've, I've watched over the last couple, three years, the, the schedule baker has not been good to the Cardinals with regard to prime teams and prime times and prime dates, but yet and still Cardinal fans still find a way to come. And, and, and I'm wondering, even for you, how much is interleague play when you have teams that most fans haven't seen a great deal of or don't know a lot about, how much is that in a, in a interfered with how your growth as far as being able to sell tickets across the board? Yeah, I think interleague play, I think generally across the board, fans like it. Uh, attendance is usually very, very good on the interleague games. I think a lot of it depends upon which division you're playing and who's coming into your market. Of course, when we play the Royals, um, on a squeeze week with two games in Kansas City, two games in St. Louis. That's been very, very popular. And, of course, that series this year will be uh, in the first week of, of August. But um, I think it all depends upon when you play the, the teams from the other division and, and which opponents you're playing. This year, I think the interleague schedule is very attractive. As I said, we have the Royals in August, but we also have the Red Sox coming in this year. And uh, we have Toronto coming in as well, which is a very, very, very good team. Uh, so I think um, this year I think fans uh, are excited about the teams that are coming into the into uh, uh, Bush Stadium for the interleague games. All right, the Flex Pack is in play. It starts today. 
where you can go online and register for opening day tickets, not to mention some other very good games on the schedule. Uh, so, Joe, give us the important dates in the month of February that uh, people can pay attention to with regard to the flex packs and also the premium flex pack as well as the opening day flex pack. Well, I think the key date is uh, the registration is now open and will run till next Wednesday the 8th, so it's very important to go on and register in the next week. We will contact winners on the 9th or the 10th, and then the actual on-sale for the winners will be the uh, Tuesday, uh, or the, the week of Tuesday, February 14th. That entire week we will have some on-sale. You also mentioned the premium flex pack. Uh, what that basically is is um, you can sign up to be the first in line to purchase the Cub Weekend, which is in May, uh, May 12th, 13th, 14th, and uh, we will uh, – have an online registration for that as well, and the winners of that will be able to purchase any of those three Cub dates along with two other games throughout the year. So, again, we're trying to put that high-demand weekend in as many people's hands as possible and make it fair, and uh, so that's something else that you can sign up for at this time as well. Cardinals.com is where you can find all the information you need about tickets, not just for the Flex Pack, but certainly the entire 2017 season. Joe Strom, as always, is good to visit with you, sir, and look forward to seeing you down in spring training here in the very near future. Well, I'm looking forward to baseball starting, and the home opener on April 2nd will be here soon. Thank you to Joe. We'll take a break, come back, and wrap up this edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Wrapping up this week's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Don't strike out with your Valentine this year. Treat your sweetheart to dinner and a Cardinals game with all-inclusive tickets featuring excellent seats, a full buffet, and complimentary beer and soda. This week, only games in April are available starting at just $55. Get your all-inclusive tickets today at cardinals.com. What Fun we had today on the program. Thank you to all of our guests, John Moselock, Derek Gould, Rick Horton, Bob Nightingale, Carlos Martinez, and Rick Ankiel. Thank you also to Joe Strom for swinging by to tell us about Flex Packs. That'll do it for us this week. Just a couple of weeks, we will be together in Jupiter, Florida, as we get ready for pitchers and catchers to report on February the 14th. Until then, Chris Raby saying, have a great rest of your night. Thank you to our executive producer tonight, Alex Ferrario. Thank you to my co-host, Mike Claiborne. And again, all of our guests, this has been Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day as we count down and down to the Cardinals and Cubs opening up at Bush Stadium on Sunday Night Baseball. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of the show right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.